there was a fat person in Jackass, right? Yeah, I well, I assume. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not familiar with the milieu, the old war of <laughs> Jackass. All right, all right, but you I assume both of those wrong. <laughs> oh, shut up. They have to at least have one fat person because the whole concept is fall down, go boom, owie. And it's only amplified by the presence of a fat person. When a fatty fall down and go boom. Yeah, but a lot of them were skaters, and skaters aren't necessarily fat. I mean, it requires a ton of core work. I mean, you're out for yeah, on your but, feet for hours of the day. I mean, just pushing. But off. you can be an active fat guy. Like, look at Jack Black. He's like heavy set, but he's like I, you know active. Uh, well, would you say he's active? No, John. He's in his trailer for 23 hours out of the day. Yeah, but he can do like, like kung fu moves. Like Chris Farley, you know, God rest. He also was very agile. You know, he was very like. Just because he had a lot of body fat doesn't mean that he wasn't active. Well, that was that was the drugs, probably. Oh, um, okay. Being honest. <laughs> Sorry, we're getting into negative territory. Basically, this You're was a whole big segue into the movie of the mid '90s and every movie, um, <laughs> not from the mid '90s, but coming out this fall that we're anticipating. Greg, um, it's this year's Florida Project, okay? Uh, sure, but people oh. actually like the Florida Project. Oh, that's oh, uh, not true. Really? I'm looking at it right now. It has a a good score on Rotten Tomatoes and Metas- Metacritic thus thus far. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's a revelatory film uh, yeah. from first-time director Jonah Hill. But anyway, John, is there anything you're looking forward to this fall? Uh, <laughs> not especially. Um, I'd say the most interesting, st- the most stuff that I'm interested in is coming out on Netflix. So thankfully, I don't have to go to the theater. Absolutely. But uh, the only things like maybe Boy Erased or like kind of like the oh wait, obviously the Front Runner. I talked about the Front Runner. That's probably mm-hmm. the only movie I'm interested in seeing. But you know. There's a few little indies I'd be interested in seeing, but I'll probably wait until they go on demand because that's how my life works. So. Okay. You mean you're not looking forward to the third sequel in 30 years of Johnny English? <laughs> Believe it or not, no. Okay. <laughs> Have they started like piling them on? Are they going to lose the rights or something? Because it's like I felt like there was I, I like a 10-year yeah. gap. It's, and it's not like Rowan Atkinson is that busy. <laughs> like I can only commit to to one Johnny English movie every decade. Well, I'm sure he's doing a lot of work that just ne- we never see across the pond. But it's like, for some well, reason, yeah. like the needle has just moved far enough that uh, they think American audiences are interested in a Johnny English sequel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it just shows what dire straits are, they are for the UK film industry. Because, again, I can't imagine it appealing to anybody outside of the UK. <laughs> You know what? I'm not. I'm not mad about it. I'm like, all right, you're you're okay, English. Yeah. You're British. Make your own movies. And that's I know. Fine. It's, yeah, and it's it's completely inoffensive. Yeah. It'd be worse if they were making if they were satirizing Boorish Americans. That I wouldn't stand for. <laughs> no, that that, that I would completely... declare thermonuclear war against. We call it the Johnny English War. <laughs> and it's okay because they're not part of the European Union anymore, so they have no more allies. So if we nuke mm-hmm. them, no retaliation. It's great. That perfect plan. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yep. Again, history history doesn't work in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only other movie I can. I can think that I'm looking forward to is also Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, <laughs> and I'm not a big I'm not a big Spider-Man fan, but I like I like comics the, uh, that are weird. Bullshit! And bullshit! You're a huge Spider-Man fan. I am not. Oh come on! Comparatively speaking, have you seen YouTube? Like half the people who make video essays, they're they're all about like, oh, isn't Spider-Man the best? He's so relatable. He's a nerd <laughs> like me. Okay, so maybe maybe it's not like dressing up at Star Wars celebration level <laughs> fandom but you've loved you've loved all the movies so far even the third one even the, the Spider-Man 3 which everyone I forgets. will admit I I I don't hate the third Spider-Man movie but come mm-hmm. on I don't I don't love them in the same level I love Star Wars come on I okay but you, again you're not dressing up but you, you 
what I'm saying is that you will go to bat for these movies, and of course you're going to love. Into I did the not see Homecoming in theaters, so thank you very much for <laughs> proving me right. Thank you. Right. I know, but you're going to see this one in theaters because it has. It's fi- it finally got Miles Morales, and they're so damn proud of having <laughs> this Miles Morales character. It's a wonder why you can't get a real movie, not an, and not an animated one, cheaply done in Korea. Um, that's I, spurious. I, I was, it looks like it looks very well animated, and mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people worked very hard on it and care very deeply about the story that brings together eight Spider-Men or whatever. <laughs> which, ev- sorry, everybody, I don't care how many listeners we lose for saying this. Too many Spider-Men. <gasps> wow, harsh. Yeah. <laughs> And I will crush the other Spider-Man. I, exactly, yes. <laughs> we, should, we should crush all of the, uh, half of them. What is this, the Clone Saga? That's a reference to a comic book uh, arc that Spider-Man went over. But, you know, you wouldn't get that. No, no, I wouldn't. Yes. I, I'm a, I'm a boorish simpleton who only visits. I, I'm the Thanos to Spider-Man. <laughs> I want to snap and have half of them disappear. <laughs> wow. So cruel, so cruel. Yeah. In my opinion, you can never have enough Spider-Man. More Spider-Man, please. Okay. Or Spider-Woman. See, okay. diversity. Well, well, I'm glad a, a wide release from a major motion picture studio is uh, drawing your attention. Because for mm-hmm. me, uh, it's not, not looking so hot. Um, Greg, what about the mule? I, what? Don't you want to see the mule? The mule? <laughs> I gotta say, I, well, I've been burnt before. Um, oh, the, no. The trailer for the mule looks uh, very compelling, does it not? Mm-hmm. As did the trailer for American Sniper, which is a, a, an execrable movie. Awful, <laughs> okay. terrible, boring. <laughs> but this one actually has Clint Eastwood being old man Clint Eastwood, which, this is I don't true. know, I think, I, you know, if it, if this is like Gran Torino Part 2, or maybe like a mm-hmm. pseudo-sequel, I wouldn't mind. I'd watch that. Yeah, and looking vulnerable. <laughs> well, no, he's, it, um, you know, he's not virulently racist in this movie, at least it doesn't appear <laughs> that way. Um at least that doesn't at least necessarily mean it's not a racist movie because no. <laughs> you know it deals with Mexicans and the cartels. Yeah, in, in scare quotes. Um, <laughs> no, but at least he, he he's playing a vulnerable guy. I mean, it's got yep. Michael Pena and Bradley Cooper to round out the cast. I was wondering where Amy Adams was. I mean, we need a woman to kind of like humanize him a little bit. So, oh, but I, unfortunately, I can't see her. Apparently, they didn't invent one um, for the story. But Aww. I mean, he probably has a daughter at some point. He probably yeah, doesn't visit his daughter. Like, oh yeah, in the dad? trailer, he's yeah he's reciting a letter. He's like, "I've been a terrible father." I put. Oh yeah, first. there you go. Yep, <laughs> there you go. See, it always works. Yeah, Hollywood. I mean, the the main lesson is Hollywood knows what it's doing. We yes. don't need to worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, can I can I pull up a six year old joke? Yes, go do it. Yeah, John, in that letter, he's not talking to his daughter. He's talking to an empty chair. <gasps> Bang! Wow. <laughs> You got him good. You're the first person to knock him down a peg for doing that stunt. Yeah, he's going to need to go to the clinic for that burn. (laughs) His career is probably over. (laughs) Another aspiring snobs takedown. Yeah. But Greg, I feel like we're we're starting off too negative this podcast. We, we're clearly not excited about the fall movies, and we're you know making fun of a infirm old man who can't defend himself. I yeah. think well, I think we need to take this podcast in a more positive direction. Yes, I mean I wanted to mention uh, the movie I'm really looking forward to this November is mm-hmm. a movie from Japan called Shoplifters, um, which is supposed to be a you know a positive look at family, and mm-hmm. you know maybe it will um, be a hit with audiences in the Academy. Um, much like another film from outside of the U.S., not in English, um, really captured audiences' attention and uh, uh, Academy Award nominations back in the day. Oh, no. <laughs> Let me guess. Is it is it the Kareda guy? Yes, it is! You liar! <laughs> you tricked us! 
<laughs> Why do you like this guy so much? What? Because he does great movies. Nah. Still Walking is great. I Wish is great. After the Storm, I've already extolled that movie enough. I'm sure they're all boring. If I had bothered no, no. to sit down and watch them, I'm sure I'd be bored to tears. Mm. Probably, but I like them. <laughs> but anyway, that was a perfect lead into a movie that uh, captured audiences worldwide back in 2001. Mm. And of course, it's a movie that we watched this week. Yes. This week, we watched the French film Amelie. Le seul ami d'Amélie s'appelle le cachalot. Malheureusement, l'ambiance familiale a rendu le poisson rouge neurasthénique et suicidaire. Les tentatives de suicide du cachalot ne faisant qu'augmenter le stress maternel, une décision est prise. I do love my French films, Greg. I, I know you do. I know you love reading, Turn. <laughs> yeah, the reason I, I keep uh, pulling up French films um, is because they're damn good at making movies. And... <laughs> Here's also, the thing. I find... Yeah, here, here, here's the thing I do have to appreciate. Now, having done this podcast for more than two years, uh, they at least have a distinct style. They have a distinct national kind of identity when it comes to their films. Like, Britain mm -hmm. kind of does too, but I don't think it's as distinct as French or German, well, for no, example. I, well, no, it's because they're more colonial powers and their attention is more divided. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whereas, don't get me wrong, France was too, but uh, also it's a... Haute couture is what they aspire to. Um, exactly. But this and let our... me tell you, this film is French. The only the only <laughs> thing that could have made it more French is if everyone went on strike halfway through the movie. That's the only <laughs> thing that could have made this movie more French. Oh, maybe that's why the story um, kind of went in weird directions. Cause, <laughs> okay. Um, the train, the train uh, conductors went on strike again uh, no, for the, I don't know, let's say, second time this morning. And so... Um, <laughs> They had to find new locations and just new story beats to follow along. Yeah. This movie is very uh, scattershot. Let's just say that right out of the bat. Yeah. <laughs> but it also gives us a, a, a introduction to uh, one of the most distinctive filmmakers alive, let's say. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, the work of filmmaker Jean-Pierre Genet. John, okay. were you aware of this guy before uh, you saw this movie? I was not. Because, again, mm -hmm. uh, I don't like the French. They smell bad. I do. <laughs> so you just avoided him completely. Exactly. Or I just mm. I saw the label French and I was like, ugh, no, no, pew pew. Yeah. <laughs> smells like nasty cheese. Yeah. So you've you've avoided this guy's milia for a long time. That's how you properly pronounce that, John. Okay. Um, fine. Whatever. Yes. But I mean, I I I'm familiar with this movie. I wasn't familiar with this guy though, or this director, if that's what you're asking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I think of him. It, probably along similar lines as Wes Anderson, who is now an indie <laughs> darling. Yes. However, um, this guy unfortunately hasn't done a movie since 2013 and hasn't produced a hit like Amelie in a, in a pretty long time, 17 years. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get your what your impression of was his, of his, um, let's say, tone of uh, the look of his movies and uh, maybe also storytelling. Like, what was, what was your impression? I, okay, here's the reason why I appreciate Wes Anderson. It's because mm -hmm. it takes place in obviously a very whimsical world, but the people within it are not very whimsical. 
And this movie is the opposite problem, where it's taking place in a very whimsical war uh, world, and all the characters are capital K kooky. They all have backstories, and they all have likes and dislikes, and the narrator will let you know. And do they eventually come up in the story? Not especially. Sometimes they do, do. but sometimes they don't. <laughs> it's because you're getting a, a very rich portrait. It's like novelistic. You know, you've got these digressions and these tangents going, and they don't need to necessarily come back or pay off. <laughs> I mean, some of them do. And I think it's because I was waiting for that payoff. It's like, if anything paid off by the end, I was like, all right, fine, you know, golf clap. But um, (laughs) yeah, a lot of it, it just seems kind of whimsical for its own sake. And the other Mm. weird thing is they keep driving home the point that Amelie is like, uh, she's, she's regressed into her imagination because she had a very structured childhood that was uh, not encouraging to kind of be whimsical or fantastical or imaginative. But the whole world takes place on this heightened reality, this plane of reality. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily her imagination at work. This is literally the world she occupies. <laughs> and so that's why it's so bizarre to me is like, this could have been like a Michel Gondry film where it's like, what is the nature of reality? I don't know. But instead it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, nope, whimsy for whimsy's sake. Well, I wouldn't say it's whimsy for whimsy's sake is because finally after about an hour, it becomes a love story. Um, ah, yes, that's true. Between that's these two dreams. <laughs> Yeah, between these two dreamers, I was I was getting f- frustrated until that mark. I'm like, okay, now we're now we've settled down. Now we're focused. Um, mm-hmm. So really, it's about the titular Amelie, played by Audrey Tattoo, who's kind of Jean Pierre uh, Jean Pierre Genet's muse. Um, mm-hmm. She's basically the lead in pretty much every one of his movies, or at least his most popular ones. Um, she plays, as you said, a, a pretty imaginative uh, but mousy young girl. She's pretty withdrawn and within herself. Um, but she does attempt to have an impact on people's lives. I think mm-hmm. the first is trying to hook her coworker up. Her coworker is a hyd- uh, hypochondriac, and she's trying to hook her up with a, a customer who's pretty much in, in there every day. Yeah. Um, so now, granted, that's she and her coworkers are conspiring to set the two up. Um, but mm-hmm. it's it's just a, a a sign of 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 what she, even though she is so mousy and imaginative, of what she's trying to like you know impart on her uh, people's lives mostly for good maybe sometimes for ill um, but. well i mean the so the first half or at least until this plot kind of gets going the f- we see all the kind of positive effects she's had in people's lives but then all of them kind of slowly start going awry and i think this matchmaker setup is kind of the biggest instance of that because she sets him up mm-hmm. with this guy named joseph who's in every day to basically stalk one of the other waitresses <laughs> yeah and he's kind of a scrooge yeah yeah, and so not only is he kind of like alleviating that waitress who's being uh, harassed, but also it could be setting up a real good potential relationship. But what ends up happening? Joseph turns into the same kind of stalkerish asshole that he was yeah. to the other waitress. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was kind of like a, yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of an interesting twist to it. But I mean, a lot of the other kind of stories don't really come to fruition. They do maybe have like kind of ironic or interesting ends uh the big one being you know the nature of the man who takes pictures in the photo booths i thought that was kind of a neat little twist the fact that you know they they had the this whole grand idea of who he could be and then it turns out to be the most banal thing imaginable yeah <laughs> but at least the, at least the mystery solved now again what it has to do exactly with well i'm glad i, I was happy for that the resolution of that storyline because it had something to do with the actual romance here um, that is true yeah we should probably explain that uh about halfway through the story we're introduced to this guy um who uh, she's she's collected this book that's in a photo booth in a metro station somewhere mm-hmm. and it turns out to belong to another a fellow dreamer mm-hmm. 
Who works and... at a porn shop. Yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't gotten there yet. No. Okay. <laughs> the porn shop's just a part of the many colors um, in this movie, <laughs> particularly red and green. This, yes. This movie just loved red and green. A lot of red and green. Yeah. By explanation, this movie was also produced in the early 2000s. It was basically a digital intermediate, one of the first to use like Final Cut Pro, and where all you had to do was click a button to make um, make it look <laughs> make it look whatever color you wanted. And I think he he overdoes it. There's one scene where um, so basically she sets up a scavenger hunt, um, including at the the beautiful in Montmartre, which is on this hill in in Paris, and there's a, a white cathedral called the Sacré Coeur. Um, and I thought, oh, this would have been brilliant this looks like it took place on a on a bright beautiful day um, but the color grading is so bad that it looks like <laughs> it looks like somebody smeared like green vaseline all over the lens it that's something i didn't like but in terms of the way the story it like finally there it, like kind of the story comes together and finally the creativity is 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 used for something um yeah because yeah the, it starts with like a i believe a 20 minute prologue on amelie's childhood and here it's it's i didn't appreciate the comedy behind it like the the fish who wants to commit suicide and it, it does seem like quirkiness for quirkiness sake but it is at least working in terms of comedy Mm. Um, I mean, I didn't find it that particularly amusing, but if you enjoyed yourself, then more power to you. Yeah. Oh, it's, well, I will say, yeah, it's droll. It's not. It's not. It gut busting. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, amusing. Yeah. Um, for the rest of for the rest of it, though, and until we kind of get get focused on that uh, romance, uh, we have a few other scenes that I don't I don't know kind of threw me for a loop. Like the other impact that she has is that she wants to help out um, Lucien. Who is mm-hmm. the who works at the local market? Who's unfortunately um, a bit uh, mentally challenged, and yep. his boss uh, terribly mistreats him. So what she does mm-hmm. when she's not working at the cafe is uh, pranks him by replacing his slippers with smaller slippers, um, the doorknobs so that he misses it, re- resetting his alarm clock so he wakes up like five hours earlier than he has yep. to. Swaps his foot cream and toothpaste. So I, while this is like, kind of amusing, it, it it didn't really add to anything other than and also. There's maybe a way that we could have seen like Amelie just um, try to support Lucien, um, poor yeah, Lucien, exactly. without like, again, like that's ruining the, this guy's yeah. life. <laughs> isn't the whole isn't the whole impetus she wants to make a you know beneficial change in people's lives? But here she's just fucking with somebody, and it doesn't really improve Lucien's life at all. Like it just maybe makes him be less of a dick, but he doesn't really learn a lesson. <laughs> and again, how yeah, much longer it, can it go on? It's not changing his character at all. She's just being a jackass. No. <laughs> yeah. The only sign is that during the prank where he has to wake up five hours early, he's sleeping in the back when it's during the day and the, and the market is open and Lucien mm-hmm. can work and charm the audience or charm the audience. Char- well, yeah, charm the, <laughs> And we are charmed. His customers. <laughs> yes, the customers and therefore the audience as well. So. And then there's also this weird moment involving the grocer where uh, he's like he's making fun of poor Lucian and 
there's a little guy who pops out of the sewers to give Amelie the perfect comeback. <laughs> Is I, that? Yeah. I assume that was taking place in her imagination. But there's not Maybe. enough of those kind of like whimsical asides to really, I think, count. Or at least make them feel like they were like intentional, I guess. No, um, we should also kind of speak to the maybe the surrealistic nature of the film, mm-hmm. <laughs> because at one point it looks like um, again she's put this guy on this wild goose chase, and he actually comes to the restaurant, but it looks like he's he's acquired the affections of another of a fellow waitress, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. perhaps a more conventional beauty, beautiful one. And when he leaves, I don't think he leaves with her at this point, but um, she like literally melts. <laughs> she she turns into water and, and just splashes yeah. onto the floor. <laughs> but and again, like it's like we're kind of seeing it through Amelie's eyes, but we do get the point of view of other characters, so I'm not yeah, sure what exactly so that's, it is. Yeah, that's, I guess, like I said, my biggest problem with the movie is like either make it completely from Amelie's perspective so we do assume that this whimsical mm. fantasy world isn't the real France, but doesn't. We get a lot of other point of views from other characters, like even her dad, like the way she decides to improve his dad's life is to encourage him to uh, travel more. So what does he do? She uh, steals his gnome, uh, gives it to a... His beloved gnome. Exactly, and gives it to a flight attendant. We don't know that she's given it to a flight attendant until it's returned, but just basically the gnome travels around and sends postcards back to him, basically encouraging him, like, there's a whole wide world to see. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, thievery. Like the the moral, <laughs> the moral implications of this. Like, I am an no absolutist. Okay, <laughs> the, no, the ends I, don't I justify it, no, the means. It's a, it's a moral imperative, John. <laughs> you have to do whatever you can for the common good. Mm, I don't know. And in general, yeah, is John is Amelie doing for the working for the common good? Do you think? Well, I mean, I mean, putting this guy in this wild goose chase. I mean, obviously, in the end, it charms him. But I mean, as you were watching it, were were you were you enraptured by it as audiences were in two thousand one? I would have to say no, and I don't know, but maybe because I'm a cynical so-and-so who, you know, was watching this wondering, like, why don't you just approach him? Why don't you just say hello? (laughs) I think the other thing that bothered me is, like, his comebacks were definitely not nearly as clever as hers. He just took the pictures and, like, posted them as, like, uh, signage or something like that. Like, when and where? Like, yeah, that's hardly clever. Come on, she got costumes for you. (laughs) Especially because... I think my my other favorite scene, other than that, other than the fish that wants to commit suicide. Um, <laughs> Why is that your favorite scene? I don't know. I, again, it made me laugh out loud, I don't, and it tickles me right now. I don't know why. Okay. Um, but the other scene I really enjoyed is um, it looks like he's he's lost or he's sitting in bed, and he has one of his the four photos um, that he's collected over the years. That actually and, uh, was supremely clever. I do love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And so they start talking to him as well as with each other. So. Mm-hmm. That's a clever. And of course, little... they're on a quadrant, so they're looking up, down. It's like the Brady Bunch, but then yeah. they're all of a sudden like talk in unison, and it's perfectly done. It's great. Like, yeah, why did the movie have more of that? Like, not <laughs> not specifically that, but show off that kind of level of creativity and ingenuity. Well, because John, I mean, Genet uh, uh, plays with a blunderbuss. Like, you know, just <laughs> okay. put it all out there. <laughs> he's not. He's he's not a self editor. You know, he doesn't he doesn't pick the the best ideas from the worst. Just let it let it all go and see what happens. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. Enough. That's why, yeah. That's also why her uh, uh, Amelie also has a like a lamp that's a like a plasticine figures or, or porcelain figures of uh, bears and other animals that talk to each other as she falls asleep. You know, like yeah, but that only happens like once. <laughs> exactly. Like carry so, like, it what through it for the rest of the story. Make it have like a payoff or something. Come on, what is that, this? No, Improv? What's going on? <laughs> 
I, th- I think a little bit, John. I think he wants it to feel fresh and alive. Again, I don't know. I'm not a psychic, and don't, nor, <laughs> nor do I know this man personally. So, well, you do. You did take French, so you're a little closer to him than I am. I'm I'm completely philistine in these matters. I'm like Ugh, French. This this these cultural differences. It's too much for me. Ah. <laughs> Well, one th- one thing that John it captures with the with the entire that uh, something that captured the entire world's imagination um, and distress was uh, this movie takes place in 1997, following the death of Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, like, what what also why was that? T- obviously, it took place in Paris and probably uh, infected the whole city, the mind of everybody in the city. But mm-hmm. um, I was wondering what that contributed to the story, other than. Just like cultural signifier saying, "Hey, this takes place in the recent past." Exactly. I mean, because and there, it's again going back to the Wes Anderson comparison. Wes Anderson has never done a movie that's kind of contemporary, because again, that's mm. part of the whole charm is the fact that it's reaching back to a history. So there's no reference. Well, charm, charm in quotes. <laughs> okay, charm for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to denigrate <laughs> to you, but um, yeah. detriment. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Um, but. Yeah, when you in, invite it to that kind of contemporary place, especially because the production design does seem very like 1950s old world, at least to me, it's well, I mean, that kind of way. And maybe again, because he's going for like a timeless quality. But if he is going for yeah. a timeless quality, like don't invite in this current event. I don't know. I thought that was weird too. Well, I mean, that's probably just the city of Paris. It it feels old. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's been oh, updated since 1982. It's, no, because it's perfect. They don't. They don't have to. <laughs> Plus, everyone's you, you, on strike. You, Who's going to build it? Come on. Exactly. So I, th- I think that's just the quality of the city. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't sort it out either. Um, and also, like, kind of the because this feels like a family-friendly movie, but there are like touches, like um, the fact that the man <laughs> she's courting working in a porno shop, as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> or how about the scene where she's envisioning all the people in the city currently having orgasms? Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because uh, my first <laughs> maybe exposure... a family movie for those godless uh, Europeans, but not for us God-fearing Americans. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, just that reminds me of a story. Story time, folks. <laughs> because my first exposure to this film was when I was studying French in high school. Um, mm-hmm. port, uh, important point: we went to an all boys high school. Um, mm-hmm. So we're sitting in French, class and um, our teacher brought this in. You know, because it's a French, mo- a popular French movie. So of course, you know, th- this is a good way, a good lazy way to learn French. <laughs> um, little did she, she did not actually preview the movie though. <laughs> and once we got to the Bad scene move. where she does, yes, and when when she got to the scene where Amelie does imagine fifteen orgasms going on at the time, like oh, oh shut this off, <laughs> yep, class right, dismissed well, early. That, <laughs> that was fun. That was a good yeah. ten minutes of French. Yeah, nobody mentioned this, please. <laughs> Lui, c'est l'homme de verre. À cause d'une maladie congénitale, ses os se cassent comme du cristal. C'est pour cela que tous ses meubles sont moltonnés. Une simple poignée de main risquant de lui broyer les métacarpes, ça fait 20 ans qu'il évite de sortir de chez lui. Le temps n'a rien changé. Amélie continue à se réfugier dans la solitude. Elle prend plaisir à se poser des questions idiotes sur le monde ou sur cette ville qui s'étend là sous ses yeux. Combien de couples, par exemple, sont-ils en train d'avoir un orgasme à cet instant précis Again, it's part of the French culture. They love sex. I, yeah, I mean, we mentioned earlier uh, Georgette, the hypochondriac, and uh, mm-hmm. the man that uh, 
she's been set up with. I mean, how do they express their affections other than immediately going to the bathroom and causing an earthquake? Of- <laughs> exactly. All the all the glasses start shaking, which made me yeah. fearful for how sturdy that building was. <laughs> I probably not very much. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I I was hoping that there was something else to this movie that would really that would um, just delight us like it did like it did audiences a decade plus ago. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I think we we were a little bit too cynical and. Uh, you know, demand demand a little bit more structure and order to things. I mean, exactly. by God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other comparison you can compare this to is obviously the work of Jacques Tati, who mm. seem you know seemingly did kind of the same thing. He had a whimsical, mischievous atmosphere, but again, underneath that, there was no story. There was very little theme kind of at work. Um, I mean, you could. Well, I would say you could I would argue say there was a theme. There what was, there, yeah. yeah, what there, what there isn't is a story. It's more like vignettes, and they're not mm-hmm. coming. They're not coalescing into anything. Well, what's the, the What's the, the What's the main point of this movie, Greg? Love is good. <laughs> I, of course, I, I think that's a message we can all get behind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just a little basic for my taste. That's all. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. Well, he also took inspiration from, I believe, like Dostoevsky's The Idiot. If you want to, <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you really want to combine like haute couture with this movie, um, okay. I mean, I I saw all those references, but you know, it's because I would know. I would know. I I think it's 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 really about society. The truth is, we live in a society, John. Okay. We live in a society where we don't help each other. We need to help each exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah, and even the simplest uh, person could have an influence on all of our lives. <laughs> okay. Because um, because I think what also it does end and it does have a very affirmative ending, wherein mm-hmm. we see Amelie's impact. Like yes, her father you know steps out the door and intends to travel. Um, I believe uh, the painter the um, somebody who lives across the street from her who who they peer into each other. Let's windows. call him Mr. Glass because he has yeah. the same exact disease. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's Monsieur Dufayel. Oh, John. okay. Sorry, my yeah. apologies. And he dresses like a French French impressionist. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, he's delighted by the the tapes he receives, or I believe he 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 sends her one that that um that cheers her up, so mm-hmm. and encourages her to actually pursue this romance. Um, they consummate said romance because um, again they're French, and so <laughs> <laughs> immediately on the first time yeah. meeting, very modern. Yeah. So who knows how they'll feel forty eight hours later? But anyway. <laughs> We get to see where all these kind of, I, I guess, storylines in quotes um, or little beats have kind of come together, and exactly. uh, and see the positive impact that Amelie has had overall. Um, mm. We don't know what happened. What happened to the uh, guy who owns the market? Um, <laughs> I, th- I believe he's fearful for the rest of his life because his his, uh, his whole li- um, life has been destroyed by somebody breaking in, entering, and ruining his life. <laughs> mm. I mean, I if if it would be worked if all the plots were like Home Alone esque. You know, where you're pulling little pranks on people, but sadly, it was not. And so, therefore, I have to give it a D minus. Thumbs down. Oh, ouch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm obviously being facetious. Yeah, it, it works sometimes, but I think overall, it's. I think you can skip it. I mean, if you, yeah. if you like French films, if you like whimsy. Actually, if you're probably a Wes Anderson fan, you would probably enjoy yourself. I mean, I was never bored, so that's a good thing. That's the yeah. damning with fine <laughs> I praise mean, the, I can the give. High it. Pra- yeah, damning with high, fine praise. Um, <laughs> I also say that about all the Transformers films I've seen, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say, at least I like. Um, I like the the buoyant nature of this movie compared to a Wes Anderson movie, movie where everybody's too cool for school um, mm-hmm. to actually <laughs> live out and tell the story, but. Uh, I think this is a good YouTube movie wherein you revisit your favorite little scenes or vignettes. Um, mm-hmm. Again, whether that means you you can bear sitting through the whole two hours of it, I I can't say. But yeah, 
I think I think you'll find at least something to enjoy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's day. that's the very mild consumer advice that we've given. <laughs> um, <laughs> we hope this hasn't been a complete waste of your time. <laughs> Greg, if this podcast can be described as anything, it's a complete waste of time. <laughs> I... <laughs> like all podcasting yeah. is. Let's be real. <laughs> I that's not true. John, there are plenty of uh, political podcasts out there that are <laughs> that are current spe- currently speaking truth to power. All right, they've they've elicited so much change um, and so much good on the world. Look out, Trump administration! Yeah, You're yeah. on blast by point, by pointing out that this person is bad, um, <laughs> and nobody else was doing that. <laughs> Guys, women vote. That's the lesson here. Yeah. Yes. It's on, it's on the women, really. <laughs> yep. À la foire du trône, à deux pas de la chenille des Carpates, la machine à malaxer la guimauve, malaxe la guimauve. Au même instant, sur un banc du Square Villette, Félix Lherbier découvre que le nombre de connexions possibles dans un cerveau humain est supérieur au nombre d'atomes dans l'univers. Pendant ce temps, au pied du Sacré-Cœur, les bénédictines soignent leur revers. La température est de 24 degrés Celsius, le taux d'humidité de 70 degrés et la pression atmosphérique de 990 hectopascales. Greg, since let's not completely waste the audience's time, let's give them a few more recommendations, shall we? Absolutely. Well, it, uh, maybe wholehearted recommendations. How about that? Maybe not some mild ones. Um, okay, fine, 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 fine. We're going to do this in our signature segment, Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Spotlight tonight. I don't know what song. Yeah, I don't know what song. Anyway, John, I hope you have something overwhelmingly positive to recommend to folks. Greg, it's exhausting and tough being a gay man in this world. <laughs> and one of the responsibilities. Y'all are, y'all are the most privileged. Y'all are the luckiest people in the world. You know how hard black folks had to work for civil rights? And in 2005, it was just a switch like that. Any, any, any gay person over the age of, like, 23. You have no idea. <laughs> Greg, it's so much more you know, than and that. People like immediately didn't like you. <laughs> Greg, it's so much more than that, okay? Okay, yeah, Because sure. when Lady Gaga comes out with a project, it's important that you go and see it opening weekend, all right? That is your duty right. as a little monster, as a fame monster, to support Lady Gaga and set up tweet No, bots. John, she's, no, she's, she's, she's dumping the, the, uh, the uh, fame monster, the little monster or whatever. She's moving on to a new demographic, country oh, folk. Okay. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, so she's left you behind. You're, you're in the so dust you're telling me to I people set up... who actually pay for music. <laughs> so you're telling me I set up all those fake Twitter bots disparaging Venom for nothing. Damn. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Although it did it did good do a good thing in that um changed the trajectory of Star Wars, so it's a net positive go. setting up all those Russian bots. <laughs> there you go. But yes, because I it got good reviews, and now that I'm morbidly curious, having seen three previous versions of it, I went to go see the new remake of A Star Is Born. I know. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Um, <laughs> seeing and... the fourth movie in in one week, <laughs> and it's quite good. Um, I will say. Really? Uh, spoiler warning: They do not change a single beat of the story. Unfortunately, I, I, I thought did they even go to Santa Anita Raceway, John. <laughs> no, I mean I, they could have. The tour is very long. Okay. Uh, All right. But it it works 
it works better than the previous three versions because again even though they haven't changed any of the story beats they figured out how to kind of like smooth those edges mm. one is the acting is fantastic i know newsflash actor directs actors real good um but it has this kind of <laughs> it has this great kind of like robert altman quality to it where the dialogue is all very naturalistic they're all talking over each other yeah mm. one of the and that kind of gets to my second point there's a lot more texture to it so even though the, the okay. underlying story hasn't changed, they've added a lot more kind of like backstory. They've really fleshed out these characters. And that kind of, again, combined with just that great acting, it really kind of, it, it makes it more of a worthwhile experience. <laughs> because okay. even though you know exactly that all the story beats, it's hitting. The only thing I can think that they changed broadly is instead of him overhearing, like the, like um, her name is Allie in this movie. Allie, yeah. instead of like overhearing her talking with the producer, is like, no, I'm going to stay with my man. It's literally the producer telling Bradley Cooper, like, no, you are a drag on her. She will not have a career if you continue living. <laughs> okay. Oh, damn. As if, as if he wasn't a villain enough of the piece, then they had to add that to it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That, uh, that's, uh, that's great. He became a, he's become a, a real-life internet avatar. <laughs> like, you should kill yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the only thing he was Who missing plays was a... The twirly mustache i don't yeah, know he who, was british i don't care <laughs> he's like so okay. he's the broadest caricature of the whole movie and a movie filled okay. with a lot of good kind of well-rounded characters uh greg and i will admit i welled up mm -hmm. a few times i welled Whoa. up almost I, I almost cried twice but that's because there was Ugh. an there was an x factor to both those scenes okay I, are you gonna are you gonna explain the scenes right now where you welled up like a like a little man baby <laughs> like a, like a like a child? <laughs> it, it it takes a certain kind of man, a man who can who can bring tears to a grown man's face, just with his steely silver hair and a mustache perfectly groomed you, like waves of rain. Are you you're speaking of Sam Elliott, of course? <laughs> yes, who is yeah. brilliant in this film. Uh, yes, I thought it was weird. I take comfort in that. <laughs> um, it's weird because he, he he was playing... I, I read in the reviews that he's playing his brother, but once I kind of explain the full backstory, it makes a lot more sense, the age differential. Oh, okay. um, they're actually half-brothers, and the father of both of them ran off at one point, midlife crisis, impregnated a young 18-year-old, and that's how we have uh, Jackson Maine, a.k.a. Bradley Cooper's character. Got it, okay. Yeah. Again, even, like, they, yeah. they even find an interesting workaround for the whole, like, Mr. Norman, Mrs. Norman Maine. Um, she only goes by Allie, like mm -hmm. that's literally her stage name it's just Allie and so at the end when she's giving the kind of great big benefit concert for the sadly departed Jackson Maine she says like hello everyone I'm Mrs. Allie Maine so you know she gets to she gets to combine her two you know names and I, I think that's nice she doesn't completely have erased her identity because that's more of a central focus of the film is you know the, her battling of her identity who she is because she's got all these producers in her ear telling her no you got to be a pop star and is she losing her authenticity? I don't know. See, there's there's more going on. Like, there's the whole thing about fame as well, like YouTube and the internet now that it can literally capture all these moments. Like, when he ruins her Grammy ceremony, that also stays intact. Um, okay. <laughs> yep. And the fact that it's part of what makes the courtship kind of feel more refreshing is the fact that she's really the only one who doesn't care who he is. No matter where mm. he goes, there's always fans running into him. Like, even her GBF knows who he is, and is kind of, like, starstruck as soon as he sees him. But her, she like, she doesn't really care, and so that's just another reason why he loves her so much or why it's, like, love at first sight. She still treats him Got like it. a human being. So, okay. it's, yeah, it's really good. I really recommend it. Yeah, I mean, now that I've seen all three, I would say that this is probably the best one. But, again, it's coming in a time period that is, is, is devoted just to me. 
you know, the 18, okay. to, the 18 to 24 year old, right guys? I cool see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say one thing I saw on the internet, uh, on refinery 29, my favorite content mill on the internet <laughs> was a, a column by Ann Cohen who said, um, this, uh, star is born should be the last. Um, and I was wondering mm. if you agree with that assessment. Uh, I'm going to say no. Mm. Um, but again, I can't guarantee that the next one will be made by great filmmakers, so who knows? Or turn well, great performances. Yeah, or become a different setting, because I don't think we're even close to having The Last Star is Born. <laughs> no, absolutely I've not. got ideas for days. All right, <laughs> number one, gender swap. <laughs> so now an old, an aging female performer um, falls in love with a young, uh, up-and-coming uh, guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, since this is happening 20 years from now, maybe it should all be completely in emojis by then, you know? That that would be yeah, like exactly. a good yeah. interpretation All be in emojis. And, and so this story is taking place in classic Hollywood of the 30s and 50s, in the <laughs> world of prog rock in the 70s, and now in country music, kind of pop music uh, today. But one place we haven't seen this story take place is the world of improv. <laughs> Improv is having a moment right now, guys. <laughs> exactly. Imagine imagine something going uh, t- totally wrong at the Comedy Awards, those world-famous Comedy <laughs> Awards. How embarrassing. He appears on the scene exactly. drunk. <laughs> His yeah. space work is just all over the place. It's terrible. <laughs> I know. Terrible. He's not, he's not listening to a word she's saying. <laughs> No, yes, Anne's awful. <laughs> well, you keep you keep characterizing the music as a country. I would say it's more kind of Americana, and there's definitely a huge grunge influence. Uh, spoiler okay. alert, you know, it goes out in a very Kurt Cobain fashion. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I read somewhere that he was influenced by, or he modeled his performance after Eddie Vedder. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the Everyone. thing. It's like, even though you're right, it is. it does have kind of a country feel to it. Like I said, like the level of fame he's kind of achieved feels like something that like, he was an independent artist who kind of went mainstream and so now people know uh, who he is yeah that's more of the feel it's going for it's got, got that it. authenticity authentic mm. that's what yeah. making art is about having something to say okay <laughs> <laughs> well john i'm glad you you genuinely enjoyed um this movie even though it made mm-hmm. you into a blo- and even though it turned you into a blubbering mess <laughs> <laughs> once you see Sam Elliott in this movie. You will understand, okay? Okay, all right. It's true. Okay. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Parts mm. anyway. Um. <laughs> Greg, what do you have for Spotlight? Well, John, you remember last week when I had a whole convoluted backstory to how I recommended uh, the John Huston-directed 1987 movie, The Dead? Yes, that was great. I loved it. I was hanging I've, off every I've word. Got an, <laughs> I've got an even better one for you this week. Oh, great. My favorite band currently working today is called Interpol, mm-hmm. and they just released an album called or last August called Marauder, and their title track, the big first pop hit they released, is called The Rover. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to see them this past week in uh, at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, it was a great concert, great performance. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And um, but it reminded me that there's a movie I wanted to see called <laughs> The Rover. <laughs> okay. And wouldn't you know it? It's on Netflix right now. <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah. So this past week I watched The Rover, starring Guy Pearce and Robert Pattinson and 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 others others. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's part of a it's part of a long tradition of um of Australian movies set in the post apocalypse. This takes place ten years after the collapse in scare quotes. So they don't they don't uh mention uh, they don't um f- flush that out at all. Ooh, um, the most artsy way you deal with the apocalypse. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 
Yes, because <laughs> uh, it basically follows um, Guy Pierce, who has his car stolen, um, and demands it back. That's his own, That's his sole motivation. He just wants his car, mate. Um, <laughs> Let me guess. Not Lord Humongous. He's, he's stealing all these cars to build up his army. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, John, there's a, there's a twist involved. There's something in the car that he really wants. Huh? Oh. There's, something, there's something in his holding, mate. All right. <laughs> And so he chases after he's chasing after a, a, a coterie of uh, ne'er do wells. Um, one one is played by Scoot McNary, my main man Scoot. And um, the, uh, weirdly enough, he's playing a Southern fried uh, guy, and that's because he's brothers with a character played by Robert Pattinson. And mm-hmm. I think they couldn't decide. Maybe they couldn't both do an Australian accent, so they kind of met in the middle and do an, a, a, an Amer- a Southern American accent. Mm-hmm. And why they're in Australia, I'm not sure. But anyway, it just follows. I mean, why was uh, Carantino's character Australian in Django Unchained? All right, they get around. That's what's important. I, this is true. <laughs> Australia is like the hub of the world. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the, the the main crux of the story is that uh, Guy Pierce's character desperately wants his car back. We'll just call him. He he's not given a name. He's he's billed as Eric in the credits, but nobody calls him Eric. Okay. Um, but he and uh, Ray, who's uh, Robert Pattinson's character, um, they join an alliance because he wants his car back, and um, Ray um, wants to understand why his brother left without him after uh, after a job went south. So mm-hmm. a bank job went south. Um, in what few banks there are. Um, so yes, as you said, it's very subtle. It's very stark. Um, but there's kind of a fine line you have to follow. <laughs> um, by not having anything at all. Um, yes, it's probably more realistic than Mad Max Fury, Fury Road, um, but also in some ways uh, more boring. Um, <laughs> what? How yeah. is that possible? <laughs> so over the course of 140 minutes, you, you've got a you've got a very few peaks, but a lot of a lot of it is as flat as the outback out there. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, how 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 much of society is collapsed? Are we talking here? Is this like children of men, or is it like? Well, that's a well, that's a thing. I mean, we're just we literally take place in the in we're literally in New South Wales. It's just nothing but a, just a step of of shrubs and sand. I mean, we don't we don't really get a sign, and that's what that's what we need a little bit more. I I don't I I wish for I I really want a cohesive story and not necessarily world building, but mm-hmm. here we definitely could have used some. Um, okay. I wanted to see what other characters were doing on the roadside. Like, what do they do for work? Um, mm-hmm. One kind of interesting twist is that they stop at, like, a basically a, a circus troupe who's now, like, basically been cast aside and they just kind of, like, hang around and, <laughs> you know, sell stuff like guns and food and, and also their okay. their bodies, um, sadly. Um, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah. So that that was kind of an interesting idea. Unfortunately, there's not enough of that. That's That's only one scene. And it also doesn't flesh out Guy Pierce's character enough because there's only there's only so many opportunities. He's a very taciturn, stern guy, but there's only very few opportunities where we can see where we can characterize him. Mm-hmm. So, I guess maybe maybe if you're like uh, if you were watching Mad Max and thought this is ridiculous, <laughs> like Lord Humongous <laughs> and his hockey mask, <laughs> like I want a real portrait of what economic collapse would look like in the in the Australian outback. I guess this this is it. Um, but yeah, there's just uh, part of it. I wish there was more to it. Um, well, that's where all the texture needs to come in. Like, yeah. Again, and I think that's why, like I recommended A Star is Born, that's where it works, is because we know the story by heart. We know all the beats. But again, you add a lot mm-hmm. of texture to it, and it all of a sudden it works. Because you get a lot of character moments, and you get a, a great kind of actor showcase. And yeah. look, I loves me some Guy Pierce. I think he's one of the greatest mm-hmm. actors currently living. Um, but you know, if, if they didn't give him enough to work with, then ugh, it's a missed opportunity. But maybe it, I'll check it, it is. out. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll check yeah. it out because I mean you seem a little lukewarm on it, but you know, good enough to recommend. I yeah. I mean, 
again, maybe maybe this is something. It's, it's a chaser that you want to say something something like Amelie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe, too maybe much whimsy. De whimsy me. <laughs> yes, exactly. So maybe you do crave that kind of stark realism in your life. Um, but you're right. I think some some missed opportunity. I won't say overall like it's a it's a wash, but. Um, I, I say wash because it, it could they could use a little water. I mean, they're looking a little dry and sunburned out there. Um, <laughs> I'm just surprised you haven't you did you haven't seen Hold the Dark yet, or maybe you have. I don't know. Uh, no, not yet. I'm, oh, okay. I'm catching up, John. I've got I've got so much. I've, I can't get you can you have time to go out to the theaters. I don't. All right, <laughs> barely. <laughs> yeah, all right, I'm a busy man. I've got a, I've got a lot of things to do. Okay. All right, so I will I will see Hold the Dark maybe one day, which is right. a bit, looks like the 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 uh, Alaskan wilderness equivalent to this. Um, <laughs> okay, but Greg, there's also a serial the killer list. on the loose. Oh, you're right. Yeah, or is so, it just a wolf? Uh, not the same story. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> from the from the man director of uh, Blue Ruin and Green Ruin. Man begets yeah. violence. <laughs> yeah, that's the core of all his movies. Very consistent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do, do what you know. Do what works. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the. You know what, the rover, check it out. I, you know, maybe maybe you'll appreciate the twist in the end. And sorry, what what's in the car? <laughs> once he, when spoiler alert, he does give it back. <laughs> okay, he does get. Excuse me. Once he does get it back, it's the suitcase from Pulp Fiction. Yes, exa- that's exactly it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> two Tarantino references in one spotlight. I know. I'm yeah, on a roll. I know. Does he make an appearance in A Star Is Born? Is that why your your brain? No, is I don't know why. I, I just I thought of Australian accents, and I thought of the best one that's ever been committed to screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Better than Mr. Pierce's. I mean, <laughs> I will say I will give him credit. Like as a physical performance, he has kind of this limp, mm-hmm. and um, a bit of a like his right shoulder's just a little bit lower, and it does look pretty badass. Like I want to walk around like that, and nobody nobody will mess with you okay. <laughs> if you do. Fair enough. <laughs> well, those were two very hearty recommendations, and you know what? We could yeah. always use more. So mm-hmm. why don't you reach out to us on social media or email? with your comments, recommendations, and questions. We'd be happy to answer them. But, John, where on the social media and email platforms? I mean, where would they find us? <laughs> well, they can Which like our ones? Facebook page. They can follow our Twitter page. They can email us at aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. They can send a carrier pigeon. They can send an old-timey <laughs> telegraph. Send us over yes. the Morse code. We have a P.O. box now, um, <laughs> which we actually split with General Electric. It's a little complicated, but they do forward <laughs> their mail to us. <laughs> yes, it's great. And then once you're done with that... Why don't you go mm. to your podcast service of choice, whether it be Apple Podcast or Stitcher, and I'm trying to get us on Spotify. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm working on it. I know, yeah. And yes. then you can give us five stars there, rate us, review us, and it'll help more listeners find us. Yes. And then you'll have a whole community. You can you can coalesce into a, into a political movement um, <laughs> where you demand that we see, uh, let's say, the Hobbit movies. Or you can demand that we see Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. I mean, whatever movie you want. I mean, we'll have no choice but to follow your political will. So Exactly. <laughs> Let your voice be heard. Vote, people. Yeah, exactly. I know you're angry I don't know. right now. But. Yeah, and also... And also, I don't know why I picked on two um, kind of massive movies from Warner Brothers um, <laughs> that were that were critically derided. But anyway, others, they just make it so fine. easy. They make it so easy. <laughs> no, John, they they remain committed to a director's vision. All right, <laughs> they com- they they were committed to the Mr. Cooper's Bradley Cooper's vision. Am I am I wrong? No, and yeah, it worked out quite well. The same with uh, Clint Eastwood. So. Well, we'll, we'll see. Basically, we'll what see. we're saying is go see the yeah. Basically, what we're saying is go see every Warner Brothers movie uh, coming out in theaters there this fall. Yeah, it'll be great. 
yeah, this this, this and move, hopefully this this, um, this will launch their franchise. This will launch their cinematic yeah. universe. Yeah, this this podcast includes no paid promotion from Warner Brothers. That it just came up. <laughs> genuinely, I mean that genuinely. Like, I don't know where the, the license. I do like how they do may, remain committed to a director's vision for good and for ill. Um, exactly for good with Christopher Nolan, for ill with let's say Zack Snyder. <laughs> I mean, you always get interesting results. So that's true. They're never boring. <laughs> exactly, well, and I, I, and can, and can we really complain? Like, no. again, going back to the Marvel movies, yes, they're consistently good, but they're so boring after a while. Whereas Batman v Superman, we'll be talking about that for years. <laughs> Not so much Justice League, though. Not so much Justice League. And I could say the same for Star Wars. Like, you know, a director followed his vision, um, mm-hmm. for, I think for good, but obviously a lot of audiences thought for, for ill. So what, what are you going to say? Are you going to go back to the committee thinking? Are you going to go to the safe choices? No, you're not. No. So whatever. Sit down, nerds. <laughs> And here at Aspiring Snobs, we don't go for the safe choices, because next week no. we're watching another kind of mid-level audience classic when it came out in the early 90s. We're going to be watching <laughs> Quiz Show. Yes. Also available on Netflix. So. <laughs> we're not supported by Netflix. Just, Why would you even mention that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, again, you're the one that mentioned like Hold the Dark and all these <laughs> other movies. I, d- well, I thought you wanted to see it because of the director. But, uh, Hold the Dark? or Yeah. Uh, maybe. You like Blue Ruin. <laughs> Well, I I loved Blue Ruin. It's a great movie. Then um, why wouldn't you want to see Hold the Dark? Why wouldn't you want to see the I, next of his of War? Because it because it looks different and weird. <laughs> but our, our director's vision—that's what you were just espousing. And now you're saying I, no, I, not this time. Mm-mm, not for I, me. N- n- no, I mean, yeah. It's, 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 if he just went one for one, I'd be happy. Is this what is I'm saying. Got you. Yeah. I just got you. <laughs> I, I, just, I know you did. Another I, epic takedown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You too, you too, cold quote me, me. <laughs> but yes, next week we'll be watching Quiz Show, directed by Robert Redford. Of course, it's directed by Robert Redford, brah. Oh, okay, all right. I, I yeah. forgot. I didn't realize. Yeah, is is that would be a great coincidence if the old man and the gun was coming out next weekend? <laughs> oh well. Um, is it? Uh, I don't know when it's going wide. I know it started hopping around, but I don't think it's going wide anytime soon. Oh, okay. Oh, it has yeah. been released. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. Whatever. Recent release, that's fine, but if you need to spend your weekends doing anything, it's listening to this podcast. (laughs) The best way to spend your time. Exactly. So, thank you everybody for listening. And until next week, keep aspiring. Oh.